He will never lead you to do something contrary to the written word. We are all subject to the written, God-breathed word. And if we do something out of love for Christ, it must always be in line with the guidelines of Scripture. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas, Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. When we decide to seek Jesus with all our heart, the enemy can be counted on to try and hinder our effort. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thank you for joining us. Today, we're continuing the series, The One That Got Away, taken from the Song of Solomon. It's been my experience that as soon as I decide to really pursue Jesus with all my heart, the enemy steps up his efforts to thwart my decision at every turn. And that's what we're going to see happening to the Shulamite today in our journey through the Song of Solomon. In fact, three things will be used to try and turn her away from the shepherd. I think you're going to identify with at least one or more of them in your own quest to know the Lord better. So let's go right to part two of the message, An Hour of Truth. And our great shepherd is going to come and take us out of the prison of this world one day. And he's saying, you better be ready. Lift up your heads, your redemption draws nigh. So the Lord Jesus will soon say to his church, <laughs> let's read it together. Arise, my love. Oh, that's exactly what he's going to say. Jesus of the day has come when everybody that's in the grave is going to hear a shout. And it's not going to be, stay there. It's going to be a rise out of the grave, out of the earth, into my presence in the heavens. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Amen. The church, the bride of Christ, is about to be delivered from its current restrictive surroundings. Do you believe that? Amen. The shepherd is coming to snatch us away. Now, the shepherd's call was to her will, will you follow me, her mind, and finally to her heart, the call to realize a new love. Look at verse 14. Oh, my dove, you are in the clefts of the rock. Now, he's talking to her. You're in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the stairs. Let me see your countenance. Let me hear your voice. Now, church, when the shepherd's talking to Shulamite, it's Jesus talking to us. So keeping that in mind, picture Jesus now, and he's talking to us, the New Testament Shulamite. Oh, my dove, you are in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the stairs. Let me see you. Let me hear your voice. And your countenance is comely. What's going on here? He's saying, come out into the open. Let me see you. Quit hiding. 
Let me hear from you. Don't be so elusive. Come out from behind the rocks, from hiding behind the stairs. Even E.T. was to phone home. (laughs) Do you hear the voice of the shepherd here? He's saying, look, he said, I love you. You love me. My banner over you is love. And we've got a relationship going on here. And you say that you are totally committed to me. Then let me hear from you. Let me see you. Let's grow in our relationship. Quit hiding from me. You know, we hide behind busyness. We can even hide behind religious activities. We can get so busy with the work of the Lord that we do not get in touch with the Lord of the work. We can get caught up in a million different things, and the Savior, the shepherd, is always standing and saying, come out into the open. Where are you? I haven't heard from you. You're not relating to me. Let me see you. Let's get to know one another. Let's grow in our relationship together. Come out from behind all that busyness, all those barriers, from behind the stairs. Let's grow in our love. That's the call on the church. Salvation isn't just getting a ticket to go to heaven someday, and your eternal security is secured. It is a relationship we enter into. It is an outright, open, blunt call to let's get to know one another. Don't hide from me. I'm not condemning you. I'm not against you. I'm not out to get you. I love you, and I want to hear from you. Jesus wants to hear from us, his bride. He wants an open reciprocal relationship with us. No more hiding from him. In the story now, the Shulamite is still talking with the court women. They don't understand her at all. What's your deal? This is the king of the world, Solomon. He's filthy rich. He's got everything you could ever want. What's wrong with you? Why don't you just give in and forget that shepherd and sell out to Solomon? So the Shulamite is still talking with the court women Her sole line of defense against them has been to brag about her beloved shepherd. Every time they try to get her to defect, she brags on the shepherd. That's a great tactic. When the devil says, hey, why don't you have a little taste of the world? Just say, you know what? It doesn't appeal to me at all because I am in love with the shepherd. Okay? Now, she's just been talking about his love for her. Now she's going to talk about her love for him. Before we read her statements, I want to point something out to you. It's very clear that the shepherd's love for her was far greater than her love for him. It's clear in the story. He doesn't allow any obstacles to come between them. He leaps over all of them, leaping over the mountains, jumping over the hills, as Song of Solomon describes. But she, on the other hand, she allows hindrances to come between them from time to time. And once again, it's true to type. It is true for you and me as Christ's bride. Don't we? We do. We allow obstacles to come between us and our shepherd. Our love for him is often weak, shifting. It's easily turned aside. You know, you have people out there, every time the church doors open, they are there, and they're the last ones out, and then something happens. You start seeing less and less of them. They move from the front row to the back. Now, you in the back, don't worry about it, because I'm not saying anything about you. I'm just drawing a little illustration. And then they start disappearing, and you wonder what's happened to them, and something has come between them and the shepherd, and they start to drift. It's a person, it's a place, it's a thing, it's an idol, something, and their relationship is affected, and that's the way it was with this Shulamite. 
So the Shulamite speaks of her hindered love. And there's three hindrances she's dealing with, and I think we can agree with all or identify with all of them. First, she's hindered by her protective family. Her brothers did not like the shepherd. And they became aware that she was meeting the shepherd in the field where the flocks were. And they didn't like this guy. They didn't understand her love for him. They didn't like the way he looked. They didn't like something about him. And so they intervened and they took her out of the fields and they put her into a vineyard, working in the vineyard night and day, and they did it to separate her from the shepherd. So her family came in between her and the shepherd. Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but I have. My family did not understand Jeff's love for Jesus. And when I would go home and brag on Jesus, man, they headed each for their own bedroom and shut the door. Nobody got it. And their attitude was this, oh, there's Jeff. He goes from one extreme to the other. He's going from drugs to, you know, heavy duty religion, probably some cult. They did not understand that I had fallen in love with a great shepherd. But they tried intervening and interposing and steering me away from my fervency. Cool it, Jeff. Don't be so fanatical. While they would go to a football game, paint their skin a different color, and scream in the middle of winter while a leather ball was taken from one end of a field to another. But don't you be fanatical about your faith. (laughs) So her family got in the way. Second, she's hindered by a prohibitive society. Oh, are we there? Oh, yes. It's only going to get worse as represented by the watchmen that we're going to meet in just a moment. But she's hindered by a prohibitive society. Our society right now is doing everything in the world to kill the faith of Christians, to come between the Christian and the shepherd. Third, she was hindered by a permissive atmosphere. The company that surrounded her, these court women, were anything but moral, godly, holy, wholesome, good examples, anything but. And they were not conducive to cultivating a vibrant love for the shepherd. And our society, once again, is totally permissive now and doesn't agree with our moral stand at all, doesn't understand it one bit. Good is now evil, evil good, right, wrong, and wrong is right. Dark is light and light is dark. Sweet is bitter and bitter is sweet. It's completely upside down. So if you take a stand for the Lord, You're in a permissive atmosphere. That's why every day you've got to get up and thank God, spend time in the Word, and pray, and walk out your front door filled with the Spirit and not good morning America. Amen? Now, starting in verse 15, she addresses her past problem, these different things that came in the way of her and the shepherd, by reminiscing about the hostility toward her beloved she'd experienced at home with her brothers. And I already told you the story, so I'm going to shoot right past that. But here's what the brothers said, verse 15. Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine, they had said, for our vines have tender grapes. In other words, sister, come over to the vineyard and get out of that field. Their goal was simple. Make it as difficult as possible for her to have any further liaison with her beloved shepherd. And what did Jesus say? A man's foes shall be those of his own household. Now, sharing this with the court women, the problem the Shulamite experienced now of being a virtual prisoner in Solomon's pavilion wasn't anything new. She had experienced people trying to come in between her and the shepherd. 
Her brothers had tried to come between her and the shepherd, and now she was separated from him by Solomon. It seemed like there was always something or somebody trying to come between her and the shepherd. And isn't that true for you and me every single day? But persecution, I'm glad to announce tonight, often backfires. Instead of intimidating the new believer, it often only serves to drive him or her closer to Jesus Christ. And the Shulamite only gave herself more completely to the shepherd. The more these different forces tried to separate her from him, the stronger she recommitted to him. And that's the way it ought to be with you and me. When the enemy, when the world, the flesh, and the devil come against our relationship with the shepherd, we ought to say, praise God, I'm going to seek him stronger than ever before. Nothing is going to separate me from the shepherd. She next expresses her passion. She says in verse 16 and verse 17, my beloved is mine and I am his. And he feeds among the lilies until the day break and the shadows flee away. Here's what she's saying. In spite of all the obstacles, the Shulamite is expressing undying loyalty to the shepherd. I am my beloved's and he is mine. And my relationship with him is more important to me than anything Solomon can offer me. Her relationship was more real to her than anything else. And then he is also to her as royalty. She says he feeds among the lilies. What did Jesus say about the lilies? Walking along one day with the disciples, he says he pointed to the lilies of the field and he said, behold, the grass of the field. See that. Look at those lilies. Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of those. The lily, said Jesus, was more beautifully clothed than even Solomon. So she, in calling her beloved a lily, is saying he's royalty to me. He's my king. She also occupied herself with his return until the day breaks and the shadows fully awake. Church, can I tell you, the day is going to come, and it seems sometimes like it never will, but the day is going to come when Christ breaks through that sky. And when he does, all the shadows are going to flee away. All the shadows are going to flee away, and the day star is going to rise. Likewise for us, we look forward to the soon return of Christ, which will be like the breaking of day when all the shadows of death and sorrow will flee away, it's coming. And she closes out verse 17 by expressing passionate longing. Turn, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the rugged hills. What does that mean? Well, the hills are also called the mountains of Bether, B-E-T-H-E-R. The mountains of Bether are rendered by some translators as the mountains of separation, the mountains that separate. The Shulamite saw her beloved as a deer. You remember this a couple of weeks ago? She saw her beloved as a deer at home upon those mountains, who was, and he was able to leap over those mountains to reach her, to get to her, to find her, to come to her and strengthen her. And the mountains of separation might stand between them, she's saying, but they were nothing to him. She says, come to me, shepherd. 
Jump over those hills and get to me. Even though they are mountains of separation, they can't stop you. And so too, we long for the Lord to return. And the mountains of separation may seem ominous to us. I mean, get this. Talk about a mountain of separation. Over 2,000 years have passed since he said, I'm going to come again and carry you to myself. We experience every day all the tug and pull of the world, mountains of separation. And it seems so far from earth to heaven. I mean, we're here, and he is there. And it's a long, long way. But guess what? Even though we're imprisoned on a rebel planet, and he dwells in glorious eternity, we need to remember that those mountains of distance and time and difficulty and devils and flesh are nothing to him. When he decides to come, he will leap over those hills of obstacles. He will find us. He will carry us back to glory. It's nothing to him. So then the Shulamites' love was a hindered love, but it was a love that had learned to laugh at hindrances. Now, hers was also a hungry love. The Shulamite is still talking to the court women in Solomon's pavilion about the past. And here's what she does. She recounts another incident that had also happened sometime before. She shares about a dream. Here was the dream. She tells these court women, By night on my bed, I sought him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but I found him not. The Shulamite had dreamed of the shepherd. It was so real that when she woke up, she put her hand out to touch him, but he wasn't there. It was that vivid, that real. Only a dream is what it was. But the dream had been so vivid, it left her shaken with her whole heart crying out for the absent shepherd. How many of you have ever had a dream so vivid that when you woke up, it was like, oh my gosh, that had to be real. That had to be real. It was that vivid. She woke up after having this dream about the shepherd, and it was so vivid, so real, she was shaken, she was moved, she was stirred. It fully woke her up. And on awaking, she could hardly tell reality from her dream. So what does she do? She sets out on a frantic search. She said in verse 2, I will rise now and go about the city in the streets, and I'm going to go to the broadways. I will seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him she tells these court women, I really went out and looked for him, but I found him not. Catch this. The Shulamite literally arose from her bed, dressed herself, slipped out into the night, and began to search the dark streets of that eastern city. She explored the highways and the byways alone. This beautiful woman alone at night, driven by her longing for the shepherd. It was not smart. Her loneliness, her longing, and her love drove her into a course of action that was totally unwise. You know, you do dumb things when you're lonely. For once, she allowed her passion to overrule her prudence. Now, here's the lesson for you and me. Picture her out there. She's walking the streets. There were no streetlights in that time. She's out there in the dark of night looking for the shepherd. She was so moved by this dream and here's the lesson for you and me. The Lord loves it when we love him back, but the Lord will never ask us to do things that are foolish and that compromise our testimony. She was really courting trouble being out there on her own. 
Jesus understands a daring kind of love very well. And he also understands Satan's ability to try to capitalize on our love for him. He'll try to get you to do dumb things because you say you love Jesus. The enemy, remember, urged Jesus in the wilderness to throw himself down from the pinnacle of the temple to demonstrate his trust in God. You really trust God? You really love God? Show the world and jump off of this pinnacle of this temple. He'll catch you midair. But Jesus knew better. We should be willing to do great things for God, church. But two principles should always guide our way, no matter how much we love Jesus. Wisdom should always be right next to you. First, we should pray heavily and long about major decisions. Never make a major decision until you have really prayed it through. Second, we should never act in a way that is contrary to the known and revealed mind and will of God as found in His Word. Because I don't care how much you love Jesus, He will never lead you to do something contrary to the written Word. He will never make an exception out of you. He will never say, well, others can't, but you can. He will never say, well, you're so special to me that you can break the rules while they can't. That's the voice of the devil. We are all subject to the written, God-breathed Word. And if we do something out of love for Christ, it must always be in line with the guidelines of Scripture. We should also remember to never act on impulse. Oh, listen to me on this one. Satan always pressures us to make quick, hasty moves. Go, 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 go. Now, now, now is the voice of hell. You'll never have an opportunity like this one again. Grab it quick. That's never the voice of the Lord. Satan pushes. Jesus leads. God never pushes us, coerces us, kicks us down the road. He beckons. He makes me to lie down in pastures of tender grass. He leads me beside the still waters. He leads me in his righteousness for his name's sake. Well, the lessons in today's message are timeless. True love will honor the object of its affection, and true love always possesses boundaries. Isn't it powerful the way this powerful Song of Songs illustrates the difference between love and lust? Well, don't touch that dial yet because our announcer has some important information to share with you, our Life Talk listeners. Join me again next time for another exciting message from our life-changing series, The One That Got Away. Until then, may God bless you richly is my prayer. Now you can bring Pastor Jeff Wickwire and Life Talk right into your home, your car, or wherever you may be to lead you on the exciting journey of building up your Christian walk in faith, hope, and love. For a gift of any size to Life Talk, Pastor Jeff will send you a CD collection of some of his most anointed and inspiring teaching series. These CDs will strengthen your faith and build your understanding of what Christ Jesus did for you at the cross. You will begin to understand just how much our Heavenly Father loves you and the whole world. 
So call now, toll-free, 877-884-3111. Or just log on anytime, day or night, to lifetalk.tv. Listen to Pastor Jeff's hope-filled CDs again and again. Or give them to family members or friends as a gift. Don't wait. Call 877-884-3111 right now. Or log on anytime to lifetalk.tv and give your best gift today. An Hour of Truth is the fourth message of Pastor Jeff's series, The One That Got Away. You can own a copy of this 10-CD set for just $50 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, The One That Got Away, for only $50 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast. Mm-hmm.